And, and in all seriousness, um, no matter what happens this week, Jesus rules and reigns, right? However you cast your ballot, and what we would say to you is this, um, there's no biblical mandate that says you must cast a ballot, but you, you live in a, in a nation that gives you that opportunity. So we would encourage you to do that. Not, not command you to do that. There's no biblical command. But we would encourage you to do that because you actually live in a nation that gives you that. For those of you who are citizens of this nation and those of you who are uh, of, of the right, uh, of the age to be able to vote, uh, go ahead and do that. And we don't care who you vote for. Uh, that's, that's your conscience. You vote for whoever you want to vote for. Um, uh, I took my son and I, we went out, we voted, we stood in line yesterday for a little bit, and we voted. And then we went and we had lunch and we did the things that he and I always do when we go out. And I'm pretty sure we didn't vote for the same people, and that's okay, right? It's not a big deal. Um, as, again, the clock tells us, everything's going to be fine because Jesus rules, Jesus reigns. And we are brothers and sisters, right? And those are the things that matter, and what God has called us to do. Um, when you wake up on Wednesday and we don't know who is the president and you wake up the following Wednesday, maybe we still don't know, and the following Wednesday after that, it doesn't matter. What matters is our commitment to Christ, our commitment to one another, and our commitment to everything that Christ has called us to do. All right? So take courage and take, take hope in that. Take hope in the gospel. And the psalm that we are, are going to read today is a psalm that, that anchors us to a, 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 a strong bulwark and a strong refuge in the hope that we have in Christ and in Christ alone, as so many of these psalms has done and continues to do, right? So, you know, when you flip on the TV at night, don't freak out. Who cares? I mean, care, but don't care so much that it takes your eyes off of the one who actually rules and reigns. So with that, our, our, our passage this morning comes from Psalm 31, right? This, this is the word of the Lord. Psalm 31, to the choir master, a Psalm of David. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge? Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me and rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. And you take me out of the net that they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge, and into your hand I commit my spirit. And you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. And you have known the distress of my soul. And you have not delivered me into the hand of my enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, 
for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have, be, I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust you, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of your children, in the children of mankind, in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful but he abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your hearts take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name and we thank you that you are our refuge. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for, for all that you have revealed yourself to be in the scriptures and in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are a faithful redeemer, that you sent your son, your one and only son, to rescue and redeem your people. Father, if there are any in this room this morning who have yet to experience new life in Christ, Lord, we pray that today that you would redeem and that you would save. And Father, our prayer is that that would not only be for this place, but that that would be all throughout this city, that you would continue. And Lord, we know that you're doing this, that you would continue to redeem men and women and boys and girls through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we come and we focus on these words in this psalm, we pray that by a work of your spirit, you'd continue to, to transform us, your people, that we would be men and women, young men and women, and boys and girls that learn to trust you, learn to hope in you, learn to run to you. 
regardless of the situations and the circumstances around us, that we would be those who are strong in you because of who you are. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this psalm seems to be um, divided into, you could, you could divide it in a handful of sections depending on, on how you read it or who you, who you are. Um, I'm going to divide it into two major sections and then look at a, a, a third section. First section is the first eight verses, um, which seemed, seemed to me to be David, um, again, it seems to come later in his life as he's, as he's writing this. Um, and the first eight verses seem to be um, what I'm thinking of as, as David saying, this, this signifies or this typifies his understanding of who the Lord is and his relationship with the Lord. And then, then from verses 9 to 22, right, there's a situation or situations um, that David finds himself in where he's, he's in distress, right, where he's trying to walk out in the midst of circumstances that are difficult, his trust and his dependency in the Lord, right? And many of us find ourselves in those circumstances uh, Either, either periodically or often. And then finally, he ends the psalm with just a charge to the people of God. And this has been a psalm that, that has been um, quoted uh, often in the text, often in the scriptures, right? If you, if you look through the scriptures, you will see um, uh, this psalm throughout. Psalm 71 the first three verses of Psalm 71 are, are, are a near um, quotation of the, of the first couple verses of this particular psalm. That's an unascribed psalm, uh, whether it's David or whether it's someone else, right? Job, in Job's prayer, Job seems to quote from this psalm. Jeremiah often, right, in his prayers and in his anguish and in his frustration, seems to quote and draw from this psalm. And clearly the, 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 the clearest quotation that comes from this psalm, uh, we, we find in verse uh, five, right? As Jesus is, is on the cross in, in Luke 23, he, he quotes, into your, into your hand, I commit my spirit. This is the second Right? As we've, as we've walked through the Psalms, this is the second time we've seen one of the sayings of Christ from the cross, one of the, one of the, the times that, that Christ utters something from the cross, a direct quotation from the Psalms. The other comes from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? These moments where when Jesus is on the cross and he utters one of these quotes, right? For you and I, you may, you may just think as you're reading that, like, He's just uttering something, but, but for any one of those who are around him in those moments, right, they would have known exactly what he was saying. Those that were, were astute and those who had spent time in the scriptures, they would have known exactly what he was saying. There's a, there's a quotation in this psalm that comes from Numbers 6.25 from the Aaronic Blessing, right? That, that every time I read this psalm, instantly I go there, right? And, and we'll talk about that when we get there, right? And Jesus does the same thing as he's hanging on, on the cross, right? Into your hands I commit my spirit. And what he's doing, 
right? He's invoking this idea here that, that David is communicating. And so in these first eight verses, right, we get this picture of David's understanding of how God delivers him, of who God is and how God delivers him in you. And you'll notice over these, over these handful of Psalms that we've looked at over the past, I don't know, eight or nine weeks, right, they all start off seemingly the same way, right? They start off in some way just directing their focus and their attention off of the psalmist and onto the Lord. And that is such an anti-Western, anti-American, anti-21st century sentiment because our propensity is to place the attention on ourselves and on our situation and on what's going on. To come into a room to come into a situation and want everybody to focus on who we are and what's going on in our life, in our existence. But you don't know what's going on with me as if everything in the world revolves right around us. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Why would he take refuge in the Lord? Because he understands who the Lord is is, right? Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save. For you are. Be this, why? Because this is what you are. Be be this, why? Because this is what you have revealed yourself to be. Not just in my experiences, but in history and in, and, in, and in word. You have revealed yourself to be a rock and a fortress. Because this is who you are. And for your name's sake, not for my sake, not because I'm special, not because I'm the king or because I'm this or I'm that, but because I'm tethered to you, I'm yours. And you are faithful to who you are and faithful to what you have declared for your name's sake. Lead and guide me, right? This understanding that what God does in my life is first and foremost for his honor, his glory, his namesake. Man, there are huge benefits for me. Don't misunderstand me. I recognize that. I acknowledge that. I embrace that. But everything God's ever done for me is part of his declaring who he is to eternity part of declaring who he is to the world, part of declaring who he is and glorifying himself. I'm part of a much larger story and so are you. You take me out of the net that they have hidden for me 
for you are my refuge. And into your hand I commit my spirit, and you have redeemed me. This idea of redeemed, you'll notice, right, as he's praying this, as he's declaring this, you'll notice it's past tense. You have already redeemed me. All of this, all that David is now going to pray is rooted in what God has already done because of who he is and what he has promised to do. You have redeemed me. You have brought me to yourself. You have, you have taken me this nothing, right? Who am I? I'm just the son, right? If, if, I'm, if I'm putting myself in the context of the one who writes this, I'm just the son of Jesse. I'm just a shepherd, right? I, I'm nothing. And you have plucked me out and brought me to yourself, which is what God does with people. Right? You bring me to yourself. You redeem me because you bring me to yourself. And in doing that, you make me holy. You redeem me. You deliver me from myself and bring me to yourself. You've redeemed me. You've bought me back. Right? You've bought me back from sin. You redeemed Israel. You brought us, you bought us back. You bought us back. You brought, you bought me back. This has already been done. And my identity is now rooted in what God has already done. My identity now here in the 21st century, right here, is, is rooted in what God has already done through cross and resurrection, through the, the finished work of Jesus Christ. I can now pray, regardless of whatever circumstance I go through, I can pray that God has already redeemed me. He's now making me holy. He's now conforming me into the image of his son Jesus. But he has already delivered me. And it doesn't matter what, I, what circumstance I may walk through. It doesn't matter what suffering I may endure. It doesn't matter what hardship lies ahead. It doesn't matter what days of persecution may be in store for his people. He has already delivered and redeemed purchased us back. And therefore, we can confidently look forward with hope and a hopeful expectation, right? So when Jesus prays on the cross, into your hands, I commit my spirit, it is, it is, it is a hopeful expectation that he is praying because he's declaring, you've already delivered me. Think about it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Into your hands I commit my spirit. I hate those. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols. This is what, this is what Jonah quotes in Jonah chapter 2. This is part of why Jonah's so frustrated that he's got to go to Nineveh. But look at how David says it but I trust the Lord. I will rejoice, I will be glad in your steadfast love because you see my, you've seen my affliction and you've known my distress, the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of my enemy but you've set my feet in a broad place, right? So there's this, there's this understanding from verses one through eight 
where the psalmist is able to say that you've already delivered me. You've already done these things. This is where my identity, my understanding of you, because that's where my identity should be, is, is rooted. It's not rooted in what I do. It's not rooted in, in my skill set. It's not rooted in my outlook on my understanding of myself. It's rooted in who the Lord is and what the Lord has accomplished. That's where my identity is. That's where my understanding of life is. And therefore then, that's where my anchor point is. And everything now that I'm gonna go through life, everything that I'm gonna journey now through life is rooted there. So that as I'm, as I'm walking through life and hardship comes and difficulty comes and, 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 and trial comes, I've already made the decisions that will affect how I walk through those because I'm anchored to you. Because this is where my identity is. So then you get into verse 9 and following, and he begins to describe now a situation Right? And it almost seems like on the surface, it seems like he's, he's just going go, to backtrack on everything he's just said. But now he just begins to describe like a situation that he's going to walk through. In verse 9, be gracious to me, Lord, for I'm in distress. Right? He's got this bulwark, this refuge that is the Lord. But now in his, in his day-to-day life, he's now going through a situation and it's causing him distress. And you and I, we walk through those situations that cause us distress, that cause us angst or unease. And some of them are, 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 are small and some of them are huge. And the Lord is patient with us and the Lord is kind to us in the midst of those things. And the Lord guides us through those. And there are times even in those where it feels as if he's distant, but he's always there. We're tethered up here, even as we traverse down into the depths of of just day-to-day life. Be gracious to me, for I'm in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul, my body also. My life is spent with sorrow, my years with sighing. My strength fails, why? Because of my sin, my iniquity. There's two things that are bothering him here. One bothers him more than the other, but he does, he does acknowledge here, my iniquity is bothering me, my sin. My bones waste away. The second thing that bothers him are the plots of others. So there's, there's sin that bothers him. It causes him distress. He, he acknowledges it. But then the plots of others. Because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, an object of dread, my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street, they flee from me, right? I've become forgotten, like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Now, you might think, just as you're reading this, like, man, this guy's got a complex. Like, you know, talk about, like, conspiracy theory fellow, you know? This guy's like Alex Jones. But, but all you have to do is read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 
one chronicle, like, and you see, like, no, this is David's life. There's always somebody who wants to kill him. But then you come to verse 14. Like, the circumstances in his life may be difficult. He is a sinner. We see that over and over again. There are people that plot to kill him. We see that over and over again. But his life has already been decided. Not by who he is, but by who he's tethered to. Up here, verses 1 to 8, this refuge, this rock, this redeemer, this one who has already delivered him. That doesn't mean, just because he's already been delivered, that doesn't mean that he won't go through difficulty. Jesus says to his disciples, um, uh, in this world, you will experience many, many trials. Take heart, I've overcome the world. It's already done. Don't worry about it. What do you mean, don't worry about it? You just told me I'm going to go through trials. Don't worry about it. I've already overcome it. Okay. Verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. In spite of the fact that I know I'm a sinner and my sin grates on me, and I confess it to you, Lord, and I trust you with it, My trust is in you, not in me, in you. In spite of the fact that there are adversaries and they are coming in and they are crushing in, in spite of the fact that there is sickness and there is death, in spite of the fact that there are difficulties in my life, in spite of the fact that my job might suck, in spite of the fact that there is this or there is that or whatever, I trust in you. Because that's all I got. At the end of the day, it's all I got. I got nothing else. It's all I got. Everything else is vanity. Everything else is perishing. And I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. I can't hold on to anything. I can try to control things but that slips through my hand. My time is in your hand. My life is in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies, from my persecutors. And then he comes to verse 16. And make, make your face shine on your servant. Numbers chapter six, or yeah, number six, the ironic blessing. Right? The Lord bless you and keep you. This was what the priests would pray over the people. This is what I used to pray over my kids before I sent them to bed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace forever. Right? And here David is invoking scripture. Right? So I read that, boom, that's instantly where I go. Make your face to shine on your servant. Bless me, Lord. I'm I'm one of yours. Grant me peace. Save me in your steadfast love. Because that's what you do. That's who you are. That's, That's who you revealed yourself to Moses as. One who has steadfast love to thousands and thousands of generations. See, he's, again, he's rooting his, his experiences, not in his ability to, com- to, to control them, but in who God has revealed himself to be. I trust in you, Lord. 
Oh Lord, let me put to shame. Not, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to, to Sheol or to the place of death. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness! Now again, he's he's declaring truth about who the Lord has revealed Himself to be. His constant, his 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 face has changed from distress. Now to rejoicing, how abundant is your goodness, Lord, which you've stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. Not worried any longer. You store them in your shelter from the strife of the tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. Now he's remembering Right? He's remembering the ways God has been faithful to him. 1 Samuel 23, right? When I was in a besieged city, tells the story of when Saul came down, when David was in Calah. And Saul came down and said, Surely I've got him now. And God provides a way of escape when he was in a besieged city. Right? And then I said in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight, but you had a heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord. So, so all of these things, like he's rooting, even though he's in difficult circumstances in the moment, he's rooting everything in the moment. Right? Those decisions, they've already been made. You may, be in a, you may be in a moment, or there may be a moment about to come of difficulty in your life. Right? Root that. Not in your ability to overcome the moment, to overcome the difficulty, to overcome the sickness, to overcome the, the, the loss of a job or the loss of, an, a, 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 of a loved one. Or over... Root it in the refuge that is the Lord. Right? As you spend time with him, as you understand who he is, Right? He becomes this anchor point for his people so that then as they traverse through life and through difficulty, they are unmoved. doesn't mean that they're not like slapped around a bit by circumstances, but they're able to stand. He ends the psalm this way by charging the people. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. How do I be strong? By trusting in the Lord. That's how you be strong. And then walking in obedience to everything he has shown you. By trusting in the Lord. By trusting in the Lord. And walking in obedience to what he has shown you. Be strong. And let your heart take courage again don't worry about what happens on Tuesday God has already delivered you don't worry about what happens in the future God has already delivered you all you who wait for the Lord let's pray Father we come in Jesus name and we thank you for who you are and we thank you for everything that you have done and Lord, we, as your people, 
are called to know you, right? To walk in relationship with you. You have given us this great opportunity to know you, to love you, to serve you. But Father, so many who, who are called followers of Jesus do not root their lives and their identities and who you are. They continue to just go on with life as if nothing had changed. And so, Father, for any that are here this morning who call themselves by the name of Christ but who just continue to live as if that has zero bearing, Lord, I pray that you would just, by a work of your spirit, bring them to a place of repentance. And for those, Lord, who are in the process of trying to trust you but are being buffeted and being just barraged by the cares of the world, I pray, Father, that you would strengthen them and that you would, by a work of your spirit, give them the ability to trust you, that you'd lead them through. And Father, if there are any in this room who've yet to trust you as Lord and Savior, who've yet to trust Jesus for the salvation of their souls, the forgiveness of their sins, the redemption of their life, the restoration of all things, I pray that today they would confess their need for a Savior, confess their need for forgiveness of sin, and that they would ask Jesus to save them. Build your church, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to worship this morning as we partake in communion. Uh, for years and years and years before COVID, uh, this is something we practiced every week. Um, like going to, to Sunday dinner at my grandmother's, uh, which was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, she made the best raviolis you've ever seen, Chris. But um, uh, obviously because of, of everything that's gone on, this is a little different. It's a little different and that's okay. So what we're going to do in just a few moments is we're going to um, invite um, those of you who are uh, followers of Jesus, those of you who've been baptized into the faith, to come down. And, um, and you don't all have to come down. Somebody from your family can come down. You can all come down. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. Um, you'll, you'll be very happy to know that I haven't spit on any of these cups, or at least into any of these cups, because they're sealed. Um, but you can come down, and, and you can, um, we're going to go like this, um, and you can grab one of these cups and return to your seats. And what we'll do is then when everybody is returned to their seat, we will um, come back, we'll read some scripture, and we'll partake together. So the table is open um, for you to come.
Matthew 26 reads as follows, starting verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and I recognize this is not bread. (laughs) But he took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take it and eat, and this is my body, the body of the Lord. Take and eat. Verse 27, and he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of it again, of this fruit of the vine, until the day when I drink it new in my Father's kingdom. The blood of the Lord poured out for the forgiveness of the sins of many. Take, drink. Father, we come in the name of Jesus, your son, and we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your body and your blood. Lord, we recognize that in these elements, this this wafer, this cup, there's nothing salvific in these elements. This is a time for we, your people, those who have already experienced redemption and deliverance from sin to come and to remember what you have done on behalf of uh, your name and for your people. What you've done and what you've accomplished through the body and through the blood, through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we come with grateful hearts we come and we thank you that, that we were once dead in our sins and that you made us alive together with Christ. Lord, not a one of us deserved anything but your wrath and that Jesus took that wrath upon himself and gave us life, gave us his righteousness so that we could be reconciled. Father, we thank you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. Let's stand together as we respond, as we consider that no matter what we face in this life, as God's people, we've already been delivered. Uh, Holding fast to our confession is remembering that he, through Christ, holds fast to us. Let's sing together, he will hold me fast. fear my faith will fail Christ will hold me fast when the tempter would prevail he will hold me fast I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path for my love is often cold He must hold me fast He will hold me fast 
He will hold me fast For my Savior loves me so He will hold me fast Those He saves are His delight Christ will hold me fast Precious in His holy sight He will hold be fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by Him at such a cost, He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me for my Savior loves me so He will hold me fast For my life He bled and died Christ will hold me fast Justice has been satisfied He will hold me fast Raised with Him to endless life He will hold me fast Till our faith is turned to sight When He comes alive Fast. He will hold me fast For my Savior loves me so He will hold me fast Oh, He will hold me fast He will hold me fast For my Savior loves me so me so he will hold me fast amen you may be seated well good morning everyone my name is chris ferugio and my wife karina and i are covenant members here uh here at missio we we believe that god uses people and ministries and churches to advance his kingdom as they seek to give every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel. And it's out of that conviction that we deeply value relationships and partnerships with ministries and churches who are like-minded. And so what we want to do now as we, as we respond to the gospel is we want to, want to shift our attention away from ourselves and, and, and focus it on others as we, as we pray for one of our ministry partners 
And so our ministry partner this, this weekend that we're praying for is, is Wellsboro Bible Church in, in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. And Wellsboro Bible Church exists to glorify God through obedience to his word, devotion to his body, and engagement in his mission. And pastors T.J. Freeman, Mike White, and uh, Ben Garner, they're good friends of the ministry here, and, and we're thankful for the, the, the work that God is doing in and through them, in and through their congregation in Tioga County in northwest uh, Pennsylvania. And um, they asked us to pray for a couple things. So one is, um, just like a lot of churches and ministries that had issues with, with meeting and, and, and space on Sunday morning because of, of the virus, and they've been displaced, and, and now they've actually been able to, to secure a, a more permanent location um, and so, so they're thankful for that, but they're still in the process of, of going through all the steps that are involved in that. So, so praying for, for that process. And, and then also, again, just, just like a lot of, a lot of churches, um, praying for unity uh, in, in a difficult time, in a trying time uh, right now. So would you pray with me? Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We, we pray that we would, we would take it to heart, that we would be doers of your word and, and not just hearers, that we would, we would actually believe that you have saved us, that you have redeemed us, and that you are with us. We thank you for Wellsboro Bible Church and for the leadership team there. We praise you for the work that you're doing in and through them to bring glory and honor to your name in Tioga County. You've been so faithful to their church and helping them find a, a more permanent location to meet and worship you every week. We thank you for your faithful, for their faithful and sacrificial generosity, generosity that would make the purchase of this building possible. We pray that you would continue to guide the process as they work towards closing on the building. But more than that, Lord, we pray that that you would keep their eyes focused on you, that you would keep their hearts tethered to you throughout this process, that they would simply see the building as, as a means to an end, not an end in itself, that they would, they would use the building with uh, generosity, with steward it well to the glory of your name, Lord. And Father, we understand how difficult it can be to navigate the waters of coronavirus and political strife and disagreement and a whole host of other issues right now, a whole host of other issues that can divide the church. But we know that you have united your people through something a thousand times stronger than any virus or cultural issue. You have united your people under the strong name of Jesus and we ask that the people at Wellsboro Bible Church would first and foremost see their identity as those who've been united to Christ. That they would love one another in their differences, that they would be gracious with one another, that they would be eager to extend love, that they would be quick to repent and forgive. We pray that you would give TJ and Mike and Ben godly wisdom to know how to care for their congregation in a way that magnifies the name of Christ and leads them to love one another like they've never loved before. Lord, be glorified through that church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as we, we leave this place, hear the words from 1 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good, 
hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. God bless.